0: All right, let's look at our scripture uh, that can be found on the back of the bulletin or on the screen. As Jesus continues his high priestly prayer, this is right before he is going to be arrested or actually he's going to go to Gethsemane and then he is going to be arrested. And so this is his prayer, uh, the third part of his prayer where he prays for us. Actually, this is really exciting. Jesus says to the father, I do not ask for these only, So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I may known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me, may be in them, and I in them. The word of the Lord. Well, if you wanted to get to know someone in church, how would you do it? You could maybe go to a community group where you share and learn about people and converse with one another. Maybe you go to an adult education meeting where you Uh, hear and learn as you hear them ask questions and learn something about their personality. But one of the best places to learn about someone is in a prayer meeting. And the reason is that you get an opportunity to hear their heart. You get to hear about what it is that they most desire. You get to learn about their walk with God. And this is a little bit about what we're uh, experiencing as we see Jesus praying in this high priestly prayer. We get to see his heart. We get to see his desires, sort of a, a picture into his inner soul. And what is particularly beautiful about this section of Jesus' prayer is we hear his heart for us. This is the only prayer where we see Jesus specifically praying for us. Those who will believe in the disciple because of the disciples teaching. And in this only prayer, what do we learn about Jesus's heart and Jesus's heart for us? That's the purpose of this sermon. We're going to look at two things. Number one, we're going to look at the grounds for his prayer. Why he prays for us in the first place. What is behind Jesus heart that is causing him to pray for us? And then number two, we're going to look at the requests in his prayer. What does he pray for us? And he prays specifically two things. And we're going to examine why are these two things uh, the things that he is praying for us. So those are the things we are going to examine. How is Jesus? And then we're going to ask the question, how is Jesus' prayer being answered in our lives? For what Jesus prays always comes to pass. So let's take a look at this. Number one, the grounds for his prayer. What is the basis upon which Jesus is praying for us? Notice verse 20 I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. We've talked about the fact that Jesus is praying like the high priest, that the high priest on the day of atonement, when he would go to sacrifice an animal for the sins of the people, before he would do that, he would pray. And he would pray in three concentric circles. He would first pray for himself. And then he would pray for his immediate uh, uh, relatives and close friends. And then he would pray for the nation. In fact, as he prayed this high priestly prayer, he'd be wearing this, this vestment and this breastplate. And on the breastplate were 12 different stones right here. And each stone written on the stone was the name of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. See, he was representing the people to God and praying on their behalf. And so Jesus is doing the same thing. I'm praying for those who will believe in you, Father, through the witness of the disciples. It's as if he has our specific name on his chest as he is praying for us. And so he's interceding for us. Now the high priest would intercede and then he would go and offer the sacrifice, right? The the goat. But Jesus is going to offer the sacrifice, which is himself. He not only intercedes for us, but then he sacrifices himself for us. He is both the object and the subject of the day of atonement now we don't as much know about this prayer as we do the one that follows right afterwards which is the famous prayer that he prays in gethsemane right most of us are familiar with that prayer not as much this one and what i want to do is contrast these two prayers because there's something very different in them when jesus is praying in gethsemane and remember he's in great pain and anguish and he's He's sweating and his sweat is like drops of blood. And what is it that he prays? He prays for what he does not desire, right? Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me, meaning the cup of suffering. In other words, if there is another way to rescue my people, please make it possible. Because Jesus knows what is coming. He's going to be separated from his father. He who for all eternity has been an intimate, organic, united relationship with his father. His father is going to turn his face away. And so he says, he prays what he does not desire. And yet he says, not my will, but your be done. Yours be done. In other words, if there is no other way, God, make it possible. Now, notice this prayer, because this prayer is very different from the Garden of Gethsemane, isn't it? it does, it's not a prayer of what he does not desire, but it's rather a prayer of what he desires. It's almost like Jesus is, before he goes to the cross, before he goes to Gethsemane, he wants to remind the Father of what it is, why he is doing what he is doing, what it is that he wants. And what is it that he wants? Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. See, that's Jesus' prayer and his heart and his desire. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. To be with me. He's talking about relationship. He's talking about reconciliation. He's talking about them knowing me and I knowing them and there being no barriers between us. I want them to be with me where I am. He wants closeness with his people. He's speaking of this special love that he has for you and for me. Jesus in uh, earlier said to his disciples, and he says the same thing to us who are his followers. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. I don't know if you've ever had a best friend before or not, but a best friend is someone that you want to be with them. And you want them to be with you. Because there's, they are someone that you can be yourself with. You can share your heart. When you're troubled, you can unburden your heart to them. And they do the same with you. And when you're sad, you go to them for encouragement. And when you're happy, you share each other's joy. Jesus is saying the same thing about you and me. I want my friends to be with me where I am. But Jesus not only sees us as friends, he sees us as even deeper than that. He sees us as family. Remember when Jesus is preaching one time and, and his mother and his brothers, Jesus had brothers, half brothers, came and they came to take charge of him. And, and uh, someone said to him, hey, your, your mother and your Uh, Brothers are outside calling for you. And what did Jesus say? Who is my mother and my brothers? Everyone who does the will of God is my brother and my mothers. There's a saying that friends come and go, but family is forever. What Jesus is saying is this specific group of people, those who you have given me, I want them to be with me. See, the greatest benefit of Christianity is not the forgiveness of sins. That's simply a means to an end. The greatest benefit is that we have access to the presence of God and his son. And that's where Jesus wants us to be. So why did Jesus come to earth in the first place? It's because of a promise that the father gave to the son. And you can find it in Psalm 2, which is considered a messianic psalm. It's about Jesus, Jesus as the king. And in it, God says, ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. Friends, I want you to understand that you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, is are the inheritance of God. The reason that he came. He came for you and was willing to endure the punishment of the cross as long as he could get you. And so what is he really saying in this final prayer as he prays for you and me? He's saying, remember your promise to me, Father, that they would be mine for I'm jealous for them. I'm going to the cross To secure them. And I want you to remember your promise to me. And why can he ask the father for us? It's because the father loves the son, right? Verse 23 and 26. For you have loved me. And he asks because he knows his father loves me. Our daughter Maria loves birthdays. And what in fact if you've spent any time with Maria, she's probably shared with you that her birthday is coming. And Maria is not shy about asking what she wants. She has this specific thing that she wants. I'm not going to share it, but it's her heart's desire. She has her heart set on it. She really wants it. And so she is constantly reminding me that her birthday is coming up and this is what she wants. See, Maria is saying to me as her father, give it to me because you love me. This is what I want. That's what Jesus is saying in this prayer to God. Oh, father, this is what I really want. I really want Carlos. And I really want Lee Ellen. And I really want Will. And I really want you. So my question for you is this. What do you really want? What's your prayer to God? What's the most valuable thing in your heart? Is it success? Is it material possessions? Is it reputation? What I want you to do is to see Jesus' heart. For what he wants is you. And Jesus wants you and I to surrender to his love. To find our identity in him. For such love that Jesus shows surely demands a response, does it not? Let your prayer be a response to Jesus' prayer. That I would be fully his. And let the basis of your life be the same as the basis for why he prays. Well, we've talked about the grounds for his prayer. Now we want to talk about the specific requests in his prayer. And he prays for two specific things he prays for our unity, and he prays that we would see his glory. Let's look at why he prays for these two specific things first, our unity. Notice verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. Notice verse 22, that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 23, may they be perfectly one. Now, in the Bible, they don't have exclamation points. When they want to communicate something and its importance, they say it twice. And if it's really important, they say it three times, right? Right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Jesus' prayer, by saying it three times, he's really communicating how important this is to him and for us. So what is this oneness that he's talking about? Is it an organizational unity? Is Jesus' prayer that there would be no denominations, that we would be organized and together as one... Central church? Is it a a question of organization? No, it goes much deeper than that. In fact, he gives an analogy to explain or a comparison. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. This unity is not organizational, rather, it's organic. It's a relationship that God wants between each of us that is one of intimacy and truth and mission that we might be one, that we would have strong bonds of affection and care and love for one another. It's a unity, I think, based on at least three things. Number one, it's a unity of truth, that we would value the same things. We hear about, let's just be unified for unity's sake doesn't work that way, does it? No, that we would be centered around our father and our father's teachings of how we are to live our life. It's a unity of truth. And it's a unity of purpose that our desire in our hearts would be to glorify God and his son. And it is wonderful, isn't it, when you meet a Christian from some other part of the world, Right? When I was over in Israel hiking, I would meet people along this trail that were hiking in the same pilgrimage. It was called the Jesus Trail. And there was a a connection instantly between them and me because there was a unity of truth and a unity of purpose. That even though we were from different walks of life and different locations and different classes, our heart's desire was the same. One Lord, one baptism, one faith it's a unity of purpose a unity of truth and a unity of mission to tell the world about jesus to make his name famous and jesus prayer that he prayed for this church is being answered all over the world isn't it it's interesting that a a, a church is also called a congregation right and what have we done as we've gathered here this morning? We are congregating. Something very interesting when one becomes a Christian. They want to find other Christians. They're drawn into his church to congregate together. Where does that come from? It comes from the heart of Jesus. See, what is it that glues you and me as Christians together? It's, as Jesus says, that they also may be in us, I in them and you in me. It's the Holy Spirit that Jesus has sent into each of our individual hearts that is indwelling in us, that brings a unity between God's people. I mean, I don't know how many people are in this room right now, but When you think about it, let's say there are 80 people in this room and we all come from different backgrounds, 80 individual people. But how many Holy Spirits are there in this room? There's only one, right? A.W. Tozer put it this way. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Jesus is saying, the glory that you have given me, Father, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus has given us his glory. He's revealed the Father. He's ransomed us to him on the cross, and he has given us the Holy Spirit. And for what purpose has he done this? It's interesting. Look at verse 21 and 23. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. How does our unity together as a church communicate to the world that Jesus is Lord? See, we need to understand what it is that sin has done to the world. We see Adam and Eve in the garden, sinning, and what's the first thing they did? They hid from God, and they hid from each other. It's sin that fragments human relationships, and the history of the Bible is tribe shedding bloodshed against another tribe, and nation against nation, and we see this played out as we look at the news, as we look at our country. It's Fragmentation and disunity everywhere we look. Now, the real, the truth is that people long for unity. We long to belong to something greater than ourselves, to be united, but we can't seem to get there. And the reason we, were long, we long for unity is we were made for it. We were made in the image of God, God who is Trinitarian, And so what Jesus is saying is that as we are one with one another, unified in truth and mission and purpose, we are actually manifesting a picture of what humanity is supposed to look like. See, the scriptures uh, tell us that Christ is head of the church and we are his body. Have you ever thought of yourself as part of a body? I think of the group that I was a part of uh, when we went to college at at, uh, University of Virginia and we had this great group of people uh, who were brothers in Christ and and, uh, were Young Life leaders and involved with FCA and we really genuinely loved each other. And as we sort of took our relationships into the world just by living life, participating in intramurals, going uh, going to the dining hall and et cetera, et cetera, we would brush up against people and people would see the affection and the love that we had for one another, the way that we spoke to each other. And they were intrigued because they hadn't seen it before. They couldn't quite identify it, but they knew that there was something different about us. And as they learned more and more about what that is, some of them said, I too want to belong. I want give my life to Jesus Christ. This is so important to Jesus that he prayed for it in his final prayer for us. So how important is it to you and me? In our church, Jesus has brought us together from different backgrounds and histories. But we all have one spirit, don't we? Tuned to one tuning fork. And so what do people say when they come into this church? I know I see unity. I see love and affection that we have for one another. And I think God is pleased. But God wants us to continue on in that affection and that unity. So we must respond to this prayer that Jesus has for us. We must see ourselves as part of a body. That this is bigger than just my individual faith with Jesus. That the reason God has called me here to this church is because of my unique gifts and personality. That I have something to add to this church, and others have something to add for me. Christ wants us to live connected lives with one another, involved, and that's why we have community groups. That's why we have lighthouse groups. That's why we have men's ministry. This men's group, uh, this men's retreat that's coming up October 28th and 29th is a fantastic opportunity to come together as men to hear each other's hearts. You will learn more about other men by going to that group than uh, that time than by two years of just coming on Sunday. God desires us to do that. We feel the pushback from the world, don't we? No, it's better to stay safe. It's better to keep your distance, right? But that's not what God has called us to. He's called us to see ourselves as part of a body and he's also called us to bring our love for one another into the world. See, how will the world know the love and affection we have for one another if they never see it? if it's only in these four walls. See, it was us at UVA going out into the world and participating and living in the world that gave that opportunity for others to see. So I want you to start thinking about your relationships with one another from the aspect of mission. How do you do that? I don't exactly know. Maybe it's a couple of you coming together and starting to have dinner with one another and inviting someone else that you mutually know to come be a part. Maybe at the next mercy and justice event, and this is a great opportunity to invite people, whether it's to something like helping the homeless. Uh, They may not come to church, but they'll come to something like that if you invite them. A place where they can be exposed to the love that we have for one another, that they can begin to wonder, what is it that makes you unified? God wants us to walk together, hand in hand, into the world. And so let us respond to the prayer that Jesus has made for us and take his spirit, his glory into the world. This brings me to my final point. This is the final request he had in his prayer that we would not only be unified, but that we would see his glory. Jesus wants us to see his glory. You know, the fall, the effects of sin brought the fall, and I think brought three main points of devastation into the world. The first was the loss of peace. That without Christ, we cannot have true peace. But Jesus came to bring us peace, did he not? I have told you these things, John 16, 33, so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The Bible tells us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus gives us peace in this world. But there was also a loss of joy. But Jesus has come to bring joy back into our hearts. The joy of being loved by God. The joy of being forgiven. The joy of being reunited with people. As Jesus said in John fifteen eleven, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We can have joy because we are united to Christ. But the third effect of sin and the fall was this, that we all fall short of the glory of God. We were made to reflect and manifest the glory and the splendor of God in how we live our lives. But instead, under the curse of sin, we live with shame. But what has Jesus done? He has come to bring the glory back to us that he bestowed upon us originally. Verse seventeen twenty two, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. And he says in verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you had given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. God not only wants to restore to us the glory of who we were meant to be, but he wants us to see him in all of his glory. See, when Jesus came back to earth, his glory had to be veiled in a sense, right? Took on the very nature of a servant, being born to poor parents. And because of our sin, we were not able to see him clearly. But he's praying that his people would persevere to the end, that you and I would be able to see Jesus as he really is in all of his glory. Jesus has been exalted to the highest place and given the name above every other name. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. What majestic splendor we would see to see him in all of his glory. And so what Jesus is saying here is, Father, I want My people to be able to see in and share my glory. I had an opportunity, uh, I've run five marathons in my life, and the last one was probably the best. It was the Boston Marathon. And I was not trained for it, and I was not prepared for it, and it was grueling and arduous. But there was one goal, and that was to finish the race. And the first thing that I wanted to do when I finished the race was I wanted to find Lee Ellen. Because I wanted to share. I wanted her to share in the glory that I had from finishing the race. That's what happens after you run a race, after you do something arduous, that you want to have others that you love share in your glory. See, if you and I are a Christian right now, we see Jesus in his glory through faith. But we must acknowledge that we see but a poor reflection in a mirror. But the Bible promises that one day we will see him face to face. Second Corinthians 3.18 puts it this way. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. See, because Jesus prayed that you and I will see him in all of his glory, what does that mean? It means that Jesus has prayed that we will persevere, that we have a certain future, that we have a certain hope. And because of that, we can have confidence even in the midst of our doubts and our difficulties and our unbelief in this world. Second Corinthians four sixteen puts it, therefore we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Maybe you're losing heart today. Maybe the sorrows of this world, the difficulties of this life, have made the glory of Jesus To seem to grow dim. Remember that Jesus has prayed to the Father for you. And Jesus' prayers are always answered. Father, I want those you have given me to see my glory, the glory that you gave me. Jesus has prayed, in conclusion, for you, his desire is that you would be his. He has prayed for unity for us. And we must respond by living in unity and taking it into the world. And he has prayed that we would see his glory. Let us fix our eyes on things above, not on things of this earth. For things on this earth are transitory. But things above are heaven. Jesus will show us he will never let us lose sight of the destiny for which he has secured for us and he has prayed that we persevere and by his grace we shall let's pray Jesus thank you for your prayer thank you that you show us your heart that what you desired, what you came to this earth for what you endured on the cross was that you could have us that we are your inheritance Lord, let us live out of this love by your Holy Spirit. Let us show to the world the unity that you call us into through your Spirit. And God, we um, yearn to see your glory. And we see only through a lens darkly. Uh, But Lord, give us enough that uh, we would continue to walk in this path and that we would not fall to the side. For surely we shall see you in all of your fullness when you come again. I pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.